Everybody, welcome to today's teleconference. I'm really thrilled you've come along to How to Franchise Simply um, Forum, where you may be listening to this live or indeed listening to it uh, shortly or sometime down the future from our archives with regards to this information. The objective of these teleconferences is that it's long-term information. It's often worth revisiting, um, but we try, what we endeavour to do is to speak to experts around the country with source in franchising in the periphery areas as well that are really invaluable to help you grow your business. It's not just about franchising. We're trying to help you um, from a sort of holistic point of view with regards to all aspects. And with that regard, I'm delighted today to have Catherine Pallenbrink with us. Um, Catherine happens to be a close friend as well as a colleague um, of mine and my wife, Cruz. And uh, there's one thing without doubt when it occurred to me to uh, approach Catherine that... Uh, with regards to franchising, to be successful, leadership and acquiring and using the skills of leverage are absolutely critical, and this is Catherine's expertise. So um, with regards to that, she's got an amazing background. If she's happy if I indulge for a moment and just mention that she's been involved in um, leadership training and, and, and so forth worldwide for over 20 years. She's an international speaker. Um, she's one of only 7%, I think, the speakers worldwide who's a certified speaking professional. She's been on a number of boards, including Orworth, um, which are the accounting group, and she's been national president of Business Swap and of the National Speakers Association of Australia, as well as serving in something like 11 countries as a global president. So a vast amount of knowledge, as well as, as, well as degrees in various areas of social ecology and counselling and so forth. So she's someone who... <laughs> Without doubt, leads a very full life, and um, I've got a wonderful personality, and brings great, uh, I think, uh, character to the skills that she's got. So, having said that, Catherine, welcome. Thank you for coming along this morning and make yourself available. Oh, Brian, thank you for that build-up. That's got me going for the next six years. <laughs> <laughs> and just to remind her, um, I've just had a couple of beeps. Anyone who's joined since I started uh, the introduction, just press star six to mutual phones so it doesn't interfere with others. Um, and so let's get started with the first question. You, you may want to give us an intro, or would you like me to fire away with a question, Catherine? No, I'm happy for you to fire away, Brian, because I think you all know the kind of people that are on the call, and mm. we still want to know. All right, well, let's pick your brains in some depth and say, how do you actually define leadership from a point of view of you know, business and franchising, Catherine? That's a great question to start with, because I think a lot of people, when they think leadership, automatically think about the anointed or the elected um, or the appointed, etc., those who are, you know, placed into prominent positions that could have titles attached to them. And of course, in business, when we're starting businesses particularly or building them, that isn't the case. We might have things like managing director on our business card, but in reality, of course, we're often chief cook and bottle washer as well. Mm-hmm. So um, it's important to, I think, get ahead around the fact that no matter how small our business at the moment, we must be its leader or it's not going anywhere. Um, I think um, a lot of people get hooked up on the, the term strategy at the moment and um, it, it can be really good management and um, highly paid consultant speak for simply um, understanding that it's about setting direction. And if you don't have a leader in charge of the direction, you really are going nowhere. And um, I've got a concise definition of leadership that helps me remember the things that have to be done to be effective, and it simply is that a leader is one who imagines, who inspires, who influences, and who implements strong direction. Could you just repeat those again? I think that's something that I'd suggest if anyone listening has got a pen in their hand, it's well worth writing those three or four points down. So it was, it was the imagination, was it? Yes, the first step is to be able to imagine because if you can't see something bigger or better than where you are, you're certainly not going to get there. So it's about that ability to actually get into possibilities and imagine what could be next. And once you've done that, assuming you're going to want to take your people with you, particularly if you're building a franchise organization, but even in any small business, whether it's your partner who's in business with you or a handful of staff, you need to inspire them. They need to catch the vision and do it with you and get excited about it. Um, So imagine is the first one. Inspire is the second. 
and great leaders inspire, there's no question about that. The third one is to be able to influence so that not only are people inspired to take action but they're influenced to take it in the way you want them to take it. And the fourth one is the one that separates a leader from a dreamer and uh, that's the ability to implement, to actually make sure that it does get done. <laughs> yeah, the fourth and final, my goodness, that's, uh, that's, oh, that's my the one, word, that's the one that counts, I think. Some of us are really good at having lots of ideas and lots of sense of possibility and we don't quite get around to actually making it happen. So there's some really good management skills that can be used for that that need to be in, incorporated and integrated into good leadership. That's so true. I just know from myself it's continual discipline I need to apply because I tend to wander off direction mm -hmm. and that means I'm not implemented and whilst I'm busy as anything, I'm not doing what I need to do to reach my goals and, and, and obviously implementation is the key to that. But you've got to be taking everybody with you is what you're saying. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to have your ideas, your dreams. You've got to be able to lift people so they have, they share them. And then you've got to influence them so that they actually follow um, while you make sure things get done yourself as well. That's correct. And uh, as you say, not to be distracted by the bright shiny object syndrome. Mm. <laughs> and um, understanding too that we simply cannot stand still on this planet. It's an impossibility. It's not allowed in nature. Um, I do a lot of work with change management and uh, I'm just, I can't help but laugh at the idea that people resist change because we don't. I mean, if anyone rang any one of us and told us we'd just won $5 million in the lottery, we wouldn't resent or resist that change at all. We'd go for it. <laughs> but it's change that's imposed on us that we see as causing discomfort. That's mm. what we resent and resist. So given that going in any new direction for any member of our staff or team or even ourselves is going to mean some change, then we've got to have those skills and abilities to be able to inspire and influence to bring everyone with us, including our own inner child, if it's that little rebel that says, no, I'm going to stay in bed and have a couple ideas. You know, we've got to be able to do those things to ourselves, with ourselves, with our people, um, and, you know, with all those who are going to be in impacted by what we want to have happen. Yeah, because, I mean, as you say, change is always happening, but, but you can paddle along often for long periods of time, and that's what happens, I suppose. That's why we end up with GFCs, is that uh, there's a certain complacency and comfort, and the discomfort, I suppose, is that part of that losing control, Catherine? Because you, you had everything there, all managed, all nice and easy, ticking along, and suddenly the boom. Yeah. It's a, new, it's a new game plan, and today, I think, has been, certainly in my lifetime, the biggest change that I've seen, apart from the fact I was born in the Second World War, but I have no recollection of it. So the end of that was a, power, a huge change, obviously. But this is bigger than the economic changes of the 60s, I think, because we've just got so many different sort of influences. You're right. And, of course, it really doesn't matter whether it's bigger or smaller it's than anything that's gone before. It just is. And mm. um, I think it hit me a little while back that it really was a major reboot 2007-2008, a major reboot of the whole world economic system. And anyone who is waiting for it to go back to the way it was is dreaming, as our friends in the castle would say, of they're dreaming because it isn't. It's a new world now and it needs new skills and that needs leadership. And although it sometimes looks like we're just paddling and um, coasting along, I actually believe that's not so. I believe that life and time now is a fast-flowing river. And if we think we're just paddling along, we're actually being dragged backwards by the current. <laughs> and we don't notice we're being dragged backwards until we hit the rocks. So uh, it's only if you're really willing. And, my God, Brian, you know, I can't preach because I've been caught by this so much myself uh, with health and all sorts of things. You can't stand still. You have to be really doing what you know needs to be done proactively. And that takes yeah. leadership. It takes the skills of leadership. As they say, exclamation mark happens. Indeed. <laughs> Shift, I think the okay. word is, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so, you know, when one reads about this and hears about it, hears people talking about it, it's generally talking about corporations and all that type of thing. So, 
But when we're looking at small business, I mean, a, a franchise becomes a large entity um, once it grows. But my, my view is that always you have to maintain the small and simple concepts for everything you do. So it's, it's quite different to manifesting a corporation. But, but in a smaller business, you know, what, what really is the difference being a manager? Ah, good question. And and if I can just comment too on the structure of a franchise, um, my sense is, and please correct me if I misunderstand, that my sense is that although you as the franchisor might be building a very big entity, every one of your franchisees are still in small business. And you have to retain that mindset of being able to help them be leaders in their own franchise. Is, would you say that's right? Oh, absolutely. This is where some people lose touch. Uh, you know, you can call it ego and so forth. There's various, you know, hubris comes in because they've been successful. But if they don't keep in touch with their feet on the ground, with grassroots, because you're right, you know, if someone's got a business now and they franchise it, if anything, we try and make it simpler than it is now. Make it the simplest possible replication of the service you provide and then keep providing it. And, you know, use the analogy of Subway. You know, started in 1966 or something like that, and they are still, you walk into the subway, if you stand back and look at it, it's a very simple operation. They could have made it very complicated and very elaborate and lots of fancy equipment, but they haven't. They kept it simple, and that, to me, is the success. And that's why franchising is great. You don't have to create a huge monolithic animal that's very complicated. Yes, great. And you still need management skills. Absolutely. So my sense of the evolution of a business is that most of us start our businesses as leaders where we have a vision and mm. we believe something can be done and we go, wow, I'm going to put that into practice. We've had the imagination. Um, we've done some inspiring of ourselves and others, including the bank manager perhaps or our partner, and we've influenced others around us, including our customers, and we're busy implementing and, and we're off on our direction with begun our strategic um, advance, if you like. And then there comes a time in that evolution of that business where if you're not a damn good manager, you actually will go broke fast. Yeah. Because leaders, in fact, are not necessarily about accountability. And they're not necessarily about dotting the I's and crossing the T's. They are about what's possible. Um, I often think I like this analogy that a leader is all about the horizon and a manager is about the bottom line. So yeah, like if you're not a good manager, then you're not going to have a bottom line to enable a further expansion of vision. And, uh, you know, I'm by nature a, a really right-brained thinker. I love creativity. And what I've learned over the years, and this is why I'm so passionate about leading with leverage, is that unless I put everything I know how to do into a system, it can't be replicated. So unless I'm able to take my right brain creative thinking and turn it into a left brain follow the dots process, I can't grow anything. I can't replicate it. I'm caught into being the one who has to do it all the time because I'm the only one who knows how. So a manager for me is one who will follow and implement a system working with what is using, using available resources including time, money, people, etc to get an agreed result, whereas a leader is the one who goes, okay, I set up this business, now I've got the management of it going well, now what's next? So it's almost like an alternative wave where you'll go into leadership and expand your business, you know, you'll set up a franchise operation with your help, and then the next thing you need to do is make sure it's being managed correctly. Mm. And then you think about being a leader again and expanding it again. Uh, so I think it kind of comes in waves. Yeah, look, and that's where I, I, I'm, I've been fortunate to have, have been a member of two or three really great partnerships, and uh, it's been because almost unwittingly, going back to the earlier stages, that those characteristics were common with the two or three of us, or, or, or let's say one or other of us had those particular characteristics. So I think back to one partnership I was in, one of my partners was a fantastic manager. He took and made sure that we towed the line, that we brought all our receipts in, that the banking was done, that we got our numbers right. Whereas uh, one of our other partners just an amazing ideas man, and he was out there free flowing, you know, but got pulled in a bit. He was as if he was a kite on a long string, you know. Yeah. But the, the manager um, actually gave a tug on that string every now and again and pulled it back again a bit. 
um, just so that he could actually get the systems in place um, in order for it to, to, to operate. Um, right. So, and, and that's something that a lot of people who, in small to medium-sized business don't have that pair of skills. And often it's better to recruit a good team member or if you've got a partner, maybe make sure that one or other of you specialise in those areas. I, I believe, what's your view on that? Absolutely. I'm with you. Um, if you haven't got it inside of yourself, you either need to learn it inside of yourself, which I think ultimately is essential anyway. Um, mm. Not that we need to focus on managing our weaknesses. We focus on expanding our abilities, but we still need to know where the hole is and how mm. to cut it. And um, in my case, I like to run my business the way I like to run it. So I have now learned to outsource anything that needs management um, or bring in boards of advisors. I have mastermind groups who hold me to account for various management issues um, and certainly in other businesses that I've built, we hire it. And, uh, you know, there's something else that really jumped into my mind while you were speaking is that sometimes that can actually lead to conflict. And I've actually mm -hmm. seen very good businesses break up because the leader doesn't respect the management mindset and vice versa. Yeah. And the two will fight about the way things should be done rather than acknowledging that they're both right and they both need to have the vision and the implementation in control, under control, for anything to be successful long term. Yeah, looking at that disk profile which we refer people to, it's fairly simple, but, you know, people who are the drivers, the, the entrepreneurs out there who just really head down and get on with it, and there sometimes there is a, a conflict between them and the, the S's, the people who look after the systems and nurture and support and so forth, because the, the, the D, the heavy driver, the entrepreneur, doesn't have the patience and often doesn't spend the time to understand the requirements of the other person, yeah. Absolutely. We call them in uh, the best training system, Brian, we call them the doers, the goers, the flowers and the checkers. And uh, there's a lot of potential internal conflict unless you really understand different people's behavioural preferences and how to make the most of them, uh, right. really tap into them. We've got lots to cover, so let's tick along here. So, so how do you, you're a business owner at the moment, how do you actually move yourself into that space of being you know, more of the manager and, and leader um, is required in order to grow your business successfully. How do you make that transition? Yeah. Um, I think the answer to that is mixing with other inspiring and inspired people. Mm. And I know that you and I met through um, seminars and mastermind groups. Mm. And that's been tremendously inspirational for me. I do not call myself a seminar junkie, although others might, just because I know I love learning and it's been very good for me and it's very profitable. I always need to make a commercial decision. Is it worth taking a day to learn this or should I be working in my business? That's an intelligent choice to make. But wherever it's possible, I will go and learn something because I mix with inspiring people and I get a sense of possibilities and that's mm. what takes you into leadership is then deciding which possibilities perhaps in conjunction with your advisory group which possibilities would be the most successful for you, the most effective, um, the most profitably promising and getting into it. So, yeah, it, 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 it sort of constrains you from putting that black hat on, the, uh, you know, the Edward de Bono sort of classic black hat accountancy type mindset where you say no, you can't do that. So what you're saying is that that inspires you the half glass full as opposed to, oh my goodness, the, half, the glass is half empty. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And the glass yeah. has been half empty with me several times. Let me not pretend it hasn't um, over the last 23 years since I've been in my business. But it's, um, yes, I've always managed so far to get through and I always will. Because yeah. when I go out and find other inspiring people to be with or I take on a mentor um, or I'll undertake a program to learn from, then I get myself out of that quite quickly and get into possibilities not only uh, for getting out of the hole I might currently be in, but also going way beyond and into a whole new level of business evolution. I, I love that, Catherine. I love about you. What you said there was you always will. You've got a certainty about the fact, sure, there's going to be ups and downs, but you're convinced you're always going to get out of it. So, therefore, it's going to happen, isn't it? 
Oh, God, yes, when you think of the alternatives. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go there. Okay, so, I mean, you, you, you've been involved at you know, very high level with large organisations. You do lots of workshopping. You've been working with thousands of people over the years. Um, so development strategy really is what, what you do. I mean, you're a, strategic, you're a strategist. How does that sort of dovetail in with leadership? Great. Leadership has ideas and develops strategies. Then... Oh, right. It hands it to the manager, who might be yourself, and the, and the manager then puts the actual tactics or action steps in place and makes sure they get implemented. Right. But the leader has to make sure that happens, or their beautiful vision and ideas and possibilities and strategic direction get blown to the winds. So that's why I include the implement in my leadership role. Uh, so the leadership has the ideas, explores them, commissions the research perhaps, um, goes online, does the keyword search tools if you're in an internet business, and develops the strategy. And then the manager takes over and makes it happen. And while that's ticking along, the leader is working again on what next and how. There's, there's just moving on from that, there's a lot of people say some people are, are born leaders. You know, you look at, you look at um, Tony Blair, um, um, for example, you look at some of our politicians in the past who've just been inspirational and people say they're natural leaders and you see the same in business regularly, um, particularly when you circulate in groups and industry sectors, you see people just stand out. Is, is that because they've got a natural uh, ability um, or, or is it something they've acquired? How much of it is just charisma? I mean, some, some people have got amazing charisma and you almost sort of feel they, they fall into any situation. Yes, and um, thank you for asking that. I get asked that a lot, um, whether these talents and abilities are in, inborn, uh, whether they're genetic even. Um, it, science tells us, and, and I've done all my psych studies and, as you said, have um, gone on to postgraduate work with this, um, research tells us that every single baby is born a leader. And if you want to relate that to the disk system or to our four-quadrant behavioural styles, Every single baby is born highly assertive and highly responsive. That's their survival strategy. They're born with the ability to tell people what they need, even you know, with loud screaming. Um, they're born with the ability to communicate their needs in some way. And they're also born with the ability to charm the daylights out of you. Yeah. So babies yeah, are born. That's great. And as you, once you start thinking of little, you know, babies and young children, you're absolutely right. So, yep. so, what, so what do we, do we knock the leadership out of them yeah, in the nurturing process? They're, they're born high D, high I on the disc scale. Really? And over the next few years, they're socialised or, or taught, not to put it, into either being compliant, um, into being a peaceful, stabilising kind of a person, or encouraged to be the entertainer or even the caregiver um, in some cases. And oh. they're also sometimes encouraged to be as assertive as they can get away with being. So that behaviour then is either allowed to continue or it's suppressed. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, it can be relearned, Brian, at any time. Yeah, this so is behaviour. Yeah. Uh, look, your area breaks so readily into something we, we, is an area of its own with worth days of conversation, which is mindset, because it, Indeed. it, it it's mindset and it's so the influence <laughs> of the social background, the things that you've become to accept become unconscious and, and they set limitations. So this obviously will have an effect on your leadership and cert certainly on your influence with people, I suppose, and, and even then with implementation, because if you see limits to what you could achieve, just as you said, you know you're going to in the future. In other words, you're certain that when these things happen, the road bumps, you're going to overcome them. For some people, they actually don't have that confidence. Yes, and perhaps they've learned over the years that, um, and maybe they've heard these words, oh, you know, oh, it's just the way it is. You know, it's, it's either God's will or it's karma or it's just the way it is and you've got to put up with that and you can't have everything you want, you know. I mean, I noticed myself. I was at uni doing psychology when I was pregnant with my son and so I was very conscious of raising him in those first two or three years and I noticed how often I would say things to him like, you can't have everything you want, you know, 
All right, say, don't ask me, Nick. If you ask me, you won't get it. If you're a good boy, I might just give it to you. And all those issues of like power and control. And I had the very best intention of just keeping things in order so we could get everything done. Um, you know, he, I was on my own with him from the time he was two. And so I had a very strong need to have everything organized and mm -hmm. make sure everything ticked along. But in that desire, I really did my best when he was a child to suppress his will. And I never intended to as a mother. I don't think any of us intend to ever yeah. pass on poor mental patterns. Fortunately, I suppose I was mixing in circles and reading the right things, so or useful things. So I was able to say as he got a little bit older, darling, that was quite wrong of me. You should be asking for what you want. And even yeah. there was a time, I think, when he was about 10 or 11, he was a little bit manipulative. And he would ask me for things. And I said to him, you know, I was quite wrong when you were growing up. I was telling you not to ask me for things. And really, you do need to ask for what you want because then we're both clear about it and we can discuss it. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, we all unwittingly have taught our children behavior that doesn't necessarily nurture leadership. But fortunately, what we now know from neuroscience is that our brains are totally and completely unlimited in their plasticity. And they can continue to learn and grow and develop right up until the time they eventually decide to stop. And we can develop new behaviors anytime we choose. And if we are then inclined to say, oh yes, but the older we are, the harder we, the harder it gets. Well, that's interesting. That's a useful belief system, is it? Or not? Um, how's that working for you? You know? I mean, this is just what we choose to believe. It isn't necessarily true at all based on all the science. Let's move on now to the next piece. Again, you know, it's fascinating stuff. And it's brilliant I do get wound up, don't I, Brian? Uh, not at all. I, I, I love the stuff as well. But I'll just close off here with a comment I read recently. It reminded me, I don't know if any of you listening read a book by Ben Ockery called To an English Friend in Africa, but it's well worth reading, very interesting. There was a, there was a quote in there, which I think is just so addresses what we're talking about. It says, learn to free yourself from all things that have molded you and which limit your secret and undiscovered road. Uh, I think that just sums up. That's magnificent. That Would you send that out lovely? to all of us? Because we, I want that on my computer. Yeah, look, learn to free yourself from all things that have molded you and which limit your secret and undiscovered road. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll actually add that into a little email I send out. But uh, it, it, it just really says it so concisely. So without going into that in, in more detail, which we could, let's move on to the second part because once you've got your leadership, you've got to grow your business and that's what we're talking about, leverage. Yes. Uh, so you've got, to, you've got to get rid of this control syndrome. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, when you say leverage, can you just d define your view of leverage? It gets defined a bit differently in financial and business cycles and so on. And then perhaps have you, how you've used it yourself. Sure, sure. Um, leverage in financial circles and generally around the world is doing more with less. It's about um, creating a fulcrum where um, with just a little bit of pressure you get the maximum of output. Um, so scientifically and, and in financial circles, etc., that's generally what it's meant. And for me, in a business world, what it's meant for me has it, my ability to do more with less has been replication. So I guess um, it started for me, the awareness started for me back in my very early career days when I was promotions manager for a wine and spirit importing company called Swift and Moore. And um, my God, that was a wonderful job. I had the initial task of promoting a magnificent liqueur, which I actually had some of last night at a friend's birthday party, um, called Grand Marnier. Oh, good. Okay. That's orange-based, isn't it? Yeah, it's actually French mm. cognac, Brian, mm. Mm. Um, infused with the essence, the distilled essence of green oranges. Mm. And it's magnificent. <laughs> Uh, so I figured at that time the only way anyone would ever buy any of this stuff is if they had a taste of it. So given that I had no advertising budget but unlimited product, I went out everywhere I possibly could and gave people a taste and began to talk to them about the liqueur and how it was made because the story is very romantic and it's a very sensual liqueur. So I had great fun doing that. And you know, I was in my early 20s, so I was having a really good time. And then it occurred to me the sales started to really move. 
And it occurred to me that if I could do that, so could every other human being on the planet with a voice. So I simply looked for more people of my style, um, roughly my age, although we had quite a lot of older people, and taught them to do what I had developed, the processes I had developed, and sent them out um, every week to do the same things I had been doing, speaking at lunches and dinners, um, doing tastings at liquor stores, etc. And that was leverage. That was replication. Mm. It was mm. doing more with less. So sales took off. It tripled in six months. And, um, and I was promoted. And that was great fun. And I did it with a lot of other products. So I guess there's a lot of um, problems I'm probably responsible for. But a lot of good times <laughs> as well. The, the analogy time. with franchising, sorry, yeah, the analogy with franchising there is quite strong, obviously. Exactly. So that's a great, that's a great analogy, great exactly. Thanks, Catherine. Yeah. So the second time was when I was working with an absolutely magnificent human being by the name of Paul Terry um, in the financial services environment, and he was a master salesperson with a 95% closing rate, and it was extraordinary, and he had no idea how he did it. So he asked me if I would. Uh, model, if you like, we didn't know that word then, if I would somehow document his sales process so we could teach it to others. Because in those days, the sales process that was taught was absolutely appalling, very manipulative, and yet Paul developed instant trust, instant rapport, and was easily able to give people what they wanted and needed and not be pushy or manipulative or anything yucky. And so, again, I modeled his sales process, taught it. When I went to work for Paul, there were five of us in his business. When I left him seven years later, there were 250 all over Australia, um, New Zealand, Hong Kong. And the business was sold a few years later for well over $60 million. Yeah, that was a while back. I was in WA in those days. He was a legend, wasn't he? He was, he was, he was a legend. I mean, he did this very, very young age. He, he was, was a legend. He was the same age as me, exactly. Yeah. Actually, he was a year older than me. Right. So uh, we were both young at the time, and we had a lot of yeah. young people with us, and, you know, we just mm. really, we believed in what was possible, and we did exactly that. Every now and again, we'd sit in front of a roaring fire with a glass of port, as you did then. Imagine we would inspire each other. We would then go out and influence the marketplace and implement it. And Paul was a, a wonderful leader, uh, and I've learned a great deal out of that. And very sadly, as you would know, he was killed in a helicopter crash in 93. That, that leads right into one of the questions I was asked about, you know, you would obviously address this in all this work you did with Paul Terry and so forth and what you did subsequently with the Grand Marnier and so on. But it's, what, what are, where are the biggest challenges in developing leverage for small business? You know, how, how do you overcome it? What are the hurdles that we as small business people um, need to overcome and how do we do it? I reckon the biggest challenge we have is being stuck in ourselves the way things are now. Um, it really is. It's very difficult when you're putting out fires. You know, there's that wonderful old poster that when you're, um, it's really hard to um, kill the alligator or drain the swamp when you're busy fighting off the alligators. Um, and that's really the biggest challenge. Right? I mean, we know about the best training systems. That's the one that I'm going to franchise down the track. And... Um, I have replicated myself by developing um, agreements with various other people to deliver my programs and developed all the facilitator manuals and the trainer training that will enable them to do that. And that's tremendously exciting to me. The biggest challenge, the first one, was getting out of my own ego and thinking that I am the only person who could do that. Because if I think I'm the only one and it's all because of my personality and my relationships, then I'm stuck. And it really isn't true. It's not about me and who I am. It's about what I have done. And if I am able to have a certain conversation in a certain way and develop a relationship with a certain process and um, do the things that need to be done to be successful, then I can teach those to others if I'm able to get out of my own head and really nitty-gritty break down what I do into micro-steps and micro-processes. And also, um, Brian, not only the processes, the knowledge that's needed behind those processes, the exact skills, and then, of course, the mental attitudes. It's, it's, it's just, it's, you know, I think we all have that issue. It's a matter of some people acknowledge it and move on, and others probably get stuck with it, just don't realise it, or for reasons of their own ego, just 
don't believe anyone else can do it. Or there's more than one way of skinning a cat, as they say. Well, and there mm. might be. But the fact mm. is that the way you're doing it now is successful. It's successful. So teach it to someone else mm. and help them be successful. And yeah. then you've got lots of people being successful, including some people, some, some customers who are way better off because they've got your product or service as opposed to the inferior ones out there. So it really, it's driven by a mission for me to replicate what works. And I also agree, I've had many people say to me, um, people in my business, well, I'm just not able to do that. You are, but I'm not. Well, then get someone else to do it for you, um, as I did with Paul. Get them to tail you, to sit behind you, to watch you, and then, as I used to with Paul, at the end of every week, I'd say, okay, this is what I see you doing. Is that what you think you do? Have I got it right? And it took us about three months to get his process clear. Right, yeah. Mm. Mm. Because, uh, so uh, that, that's interesting because effectively that's what, I said. are you saying that's the blueprint we all need to do in some form to some level or other with the elements of our businesses and management skills in order to be able to replicate them? Absolutely, in order to replicate them. I mean, even in, in, a, in order to be able to sell your business um, in any way down the track, in order to even have your business continue if you should fall ill, and I know all about that one. So you need to be doing it anyway. How do I do what I do? Make it, make sure it's documented. How do these processes work in this place? Make sure that's all documented. And of course, I've been watching Dale Beaumont lately, and uh, there's some people I know on the Gold Coast who've started a business called iSystemize, and they're all about documenting what you do in video rather than in a cumbersome manual, um, which is another way of doing it. So, yeah, it's absolutely essential in any business, but it's critical, as you know, and have taught me, Brian, for franchising. Yes, no, that's, that's, that's interesting. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I can see the application because this is why one of my hobby horses is you've got to, before you get started and launch your franchise, you've actually got to document your own systems in the franchise or business, particularly the, the elements that you conduct yourself personally. Indeed. Because that's exactly what you say. If you, if, if you get sick or if you need a holiday or when you're looking to grow, if you can't get somebody to carry out those roles, you're really defeating, well, you're just not following the, the, the template, I guess. Well, mm. and, and to me that's the difference between having a business and being self-employed. Mm. Uh, if you're yeah. self-employed and suddenly yourself um, can't employ you, you don't have a job, you know, you don't have any money coming in. But if you have a business, it's a business that can run without you and that's the definition, obviously. Yeah. So how do people resist this type of change then when you're talking about, you know, let's take, take a small business that's franchising, five to 20 people, maybe, you know, staff. What are the challenges to um, incorporating sorts of, you know, these sorts of changes in their behavior to get these, to, to implement this leverage and get these systems in place and so on? Great. A couple of things there, Brian. One of them, of course, is that ability to, learning the ability to inspire others and learning the ability to influence others, you know, really strong sales skills, but using them with your team so that they are as excited and want this to happen as much as you do. And uh, for some of the founding staff, that might mean some kind of incentive along the way, whatever is appropriate. Um, I know when we began to build the Paul Terry organization, we had a half a dozen people that we had brought on fairly early in the piece, and they really thought it was all theirs. Um, so we were based in Sydney at the time and they really thought they had Australia and we knew we needed to build it far bigger to be of the kind of value we could imagine and we knew we had to get lots and lots more people on board and they, those half a dozen were really resisting it. Well, what we did in the end was kind of develop a corporate multi-level facility where we put them in as regional managers and everyone they brought in, we gave them a percentage of the income. Okay, and yeah. then as they continued to manage and build those people, they got an additional percentage. If the people moved around Australia, went to a different manager, they kept their recruiting bonus for all time, they lost their management bonus. So they had an incentive to be a good manager. Um, and we had people with golden handcuffs, you could call it, who mm -hmm. worked for us who were earning two and three hundred thousand before they got out of bed in the morning, uh, because of the team building they had done. 
So there was an incentive for the existing staff and there was an incentive in exactly the same cascading way for everyone under them. Now the franchising model takes over from that and does it in a much more formalised and structured way and it, it's just the importance of making sure that the bigger the pie is, making sure they understand, the bigger the pie is, the easier it is for everyone to find you and want to do business with you. Um, the same thing happened with professional speakers when we built the industry. Back in the 80s, we formed the National Speakers Association, and one of the reasons we did it was to have um, other speakers understand that if we all had agreed standards of ethics and behaviours, and even a universal understanding of um, the kind of rewards that were appropriate for the time that, and expertise that's given, then more and more of our marketplace would become aware of the value of our services. So yep. building the pie created more demand. And of course that's why you'll often see a chain of food stores in the same place or a chain of retail boutiques is because the more awareness there is, the more the demand. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that, that makes clear sense. That and makes sense. Okay, yeah, I had a little bleep on my phone line there. Okay, so I suppose looking at that then and, and, and our, our, our audience, um, how does someone go about becoming a better leader from the point of view of that, for, for, le for leverage's sake, as it were? Mm. Um, I'd say read, watch, listen, learn, reflect, have a go, um, reflect again at the old learning cycle. Um, you know, what is, decide what you want first and then systematically begin to develop the skills that you need and then have the guts to put them into action and then get some feedback on it, which you'll get anyway. The, the universe always gives feedback. Um, and then get some help if you need it. So, yeah, study, listen, watch, learn and take every opportunity to develop and expand your horizons because that's what leadership's all about. Excellent, excellent. Catherine, that, that's fantastic. Um, I've taken a lot from this and I've just got a few notes. Um, I look forward to actually listening through this, uh, um, this teleconference again actually because one doesn't pick it all up first time. It's like listening to a good, a good radio program or watching a good film or reading a good book. It's often the second and third time that uh, you pick up the little nuggets. But you've faced a few challenges in your life. What have been your most valuable learnings um, that you've gathered, the experience that you've picked up along the way that you might care to share with people? Hmm. Okay, thank you. Um, Business-wise, I would have to say that the first major challenge I faced in business was sheer personal exhaustion, where mm -hmm. I was trying to do it all myself. Yes. And I began as a consultant. I started as a business development consultant, strategist, still am, uh, but before very long was asked to speak at conferences and events and um, also asked to author and deliver training programs, which is how Best Training Systems got built. I was doing all of that, and I loved it all. I didn't want to let any of it go. And, of course, there really are only 24 hours in a day, and you do need to sleep, I learned. And, of course, my son did need some of my attention. Mm. And as well as that, I've always loved community service and, and I was actually doing a master's degree in the middle of all of that. So it was a pretty crazy time and I learned that you can't do it all at once. You can do it all, but not all at once. And so yeah. a program of events is what's necessary. And then, because I guess I'm a type A and, and a bit of a perfectionist, to allow yourself to do it in stages and allow yourself to take longer than you'd like to and allow yourself to stuff up every now and again. And um, I also would say one of the biggest things I've learned is to live lean while you're building it. Um, it's very easy once the money starts rolling in, of course, to get excited and carried away and lease beautiful cars and um, upgrade living standards. And I think Warren Buffett is an amazing role model in this. I think he's taken it too far, I have to say, because uh, he doesn't enjoy it. Well, for him, it's not important. But um, I think live lean and learn to live lean and stay living lean while you build up a really strong comfort base, and particularly while you're leveraging because it can take a while for it to build. I crashed, as you know, Brian, with um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and had a few years out of the workplace and um, that was certainly a very expensive experience. Came back 
and rebuilt again following more or less the same formula but in a different environment which was difficult and now I would always say do your environmental research before you try to implement a business plan that might have worked five years before or might have worked in another city. Um, I had another illness in 2007, an immune system crash. Fortunately, I'm completely over all of that. I'm just done and dusted with it. I've had it and um, am as good as a trout apart from an occasional cough or cold. And um, I've now learned, I think, that balance, uh, well, for me, balance is flat out one day, stop the next. Um, but really knowing also, Brian, that it's always darkest before the dawn. The sun does come up every day. And if you just get a bit of help, everything gets easier. All right, excellent. Look, I, I will just give a little bit of background in a few moments about where people can access you if they'd like to learn a little bit more information. I'll sure. run through a summary. But before I go to that, uh, I just wonder if anyone's got any questions there at all. If you have a question, just press star six on your phone and introduce yourself and put the question and uh, the captain will, uh, will do our best to answer it for you or we'll get back to you if it's something that uh, um, isn't appropriate or you don't have the answer for right now. So if anyone's got a question at the moment, please just press star six and join us on the line. We'd love to hear from you. Just in a few seconds while people may gather their thoughts if they've got something you want to ask. Um, I'll just run through a quick summary actually. I, I suppose a few points that I took particularly from this was uh, regarding your initial comments about direction being absolutely critical. You know, and as a leader, I think you had the four eyes there. You, you need to imagine, inspire, influence, and implement. And uh, I suppose running through the fact you you, you outlined that you, you can't stand still. You, you just got to keep moving, and you have to you have to address the challenges and the issues about discomfort and an ego and losing control and so forth, otherwise you'll never you'll never leverage what you do. Um, and the other point was that one that you and I you say how we met and, and share this, this aspect that you got you got to mix with like minded people. So mastermind groups where you get stimulated and so forth is a great way because what I found there is you pick up role models. So when a situation happens you think, Oh, what would Jennifer or what would Harry do in that situation and you can use it to apply to yourself so uh, those are big points for me um, and um, I suppose you know continually reading and reflecting watching there's some great stuff these days I mean dropping in if you've ever got 18 minutes go into TEDx and just look at any video at random and you'll find 18 minutes of absolute golden nugget value um, that will always leave you with Inspiration, I think. So, uh, but no one's taking the opportunity. So, I guess there are no questions there. Um, what I, I would like to do is, uh, is thank you very much indeed for coming along and giving us that that, that information. Really enjoyed talking with you, uh, Catherine. And um, you are available for conference presentations for people, skill development, mentoring, that sort of thing. I gather that's correct. Absolutely. Very happy okay. to help people. All right. Now I will I will uh, circulate um, your contact details. But would you like to just give what's the most convenient way of contacting? Is it a particular website or the email address? How would you like to uh, just leave people now if they wanted to be in touch with you? What's the best way of doing that? Great, Brian. Um, I'm actually going to give out via you my personal email. So if anyone has anything at all they'd like to ask or any feedback they'd like to give me, I'd love to have that feedback. And I'll also do my absolute best to answer any questions. Um, I really love being in touch with people who have been in audiences. Um, and so my personal email address is Catherine, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, at Palin Brinkworth, that's P-A-L-I-N-B-R-I-N-K-W-O-R-T-H, all one word lowercase, no hyphen. And it's dot com. Um, with no AU on the end, just .com. Okay. And Brian, one thing I'm actually working on at the moment for um, an organisation have asked me to produce this and in the producing of it for them, I decided to make it available to the public. It's an ebook I've put together called Make More Money with a Mentor. Oh, okay. And I'm actually going to make it available on my website as of next week and it will have a sales price of $29. I'm actually very happy to give it away for nothing. That's right. It sounds like it's probably very good value at $29. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's so very good of you. 
for any of your people who would like to email me. The only thing I want in exchange is any feedback, any testimonials that you think, you know, I liked that, that you said, etc. Um, and if you can, why this is important to you. Because that feeds me, that helps me to get going. And uh, if I can also say one more thing when we're leading and, and leveraging, they won't do it as well as we will. I think it's one of the things that stops us, is thinking, oh, look, no one will do this as well as I do. Well, no, they won't. They may even do it better. And that's what I do. That's what I've found with franchising. Invariably, in the first three or four or five franchisees, you find someone who tears the strips out of everybody, really comes up with new ideas and probably leaves you for dead as the founder of the system, but you retain the leadership. You've got other people out there start creating new ideas, innovations, and they're the ones that are there to inspire newcomers and so on. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Look, <laughs> Catherine, that's brilliant. What I will do, if I can leave you to let me know when it's available, and I'll circulate everybody a note, just uh, giving them that little bit of information, so uh, um, and give them the opportunity of downloading it on, on those understandings that you mentioned there. So we'll do that as a follow-up subsequent to the um, conference. And cool. just for the, um, the ones who would like to get it free of charge, Today is the 8th of June, the recording of this webinar, and I'm happy to make it available up to the 15th of June. Oh, okay, fine. All so right, for the next week, if they're happy to get back to me in that period of time, they can have it free before it goes on the website for, for a price. Okay, well, I'll circulate that with the, with the information about this uh, to, to, to all of our listeners and, uh, and, and members. Okay, well, I'd like to wrap up now. Um, on behalf of Have a Franchise Simply and the people who have joined us um, online and those listening to the recording subsequently. So thank you very much, Catherine. I really do appreciate you being so generous in making your time available to uh, spend this, uh, these, 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 these nuggets of golden information with us. I really do appreciate that. So thank you very much indeed. Um, that's all from me. I don't know whether you want to make any closing comment there, Catherine, just as before we go. No, um, I think I've said all I need to for the time being, but it is mm. great pleasure, Brian to be able to help you and your people any way I possibly can. Brilliant. I appreciate that. Well, everybody, thank you very much. I'll leave you to uh, the rest of your day. Enjoy your day and uh, enjoy franchising. Thanks very much indeed. Bye.